Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging tech, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my own company, J. Arnold & Associates. I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another month of Watch This Space. It's been busy, right? Yeah, Chris. Yeah, welcome back. And our paths almost crossed this week in New York. Uh, it's too bad it didn't work out, but there we will be doing it again in early November. So uh, the time will come. I have a USB stick I still need to give back to you. That's what's driving my anxiety right now. And you So will that's get why it. you want to see me is to give me my my USB stick back. Well, it's exactly. very, no, very laudable of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Larry David moment. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is what you think of me. This is all I get. Okay. And that no. bothers you so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. We got to do some outro. We got to do a, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put on our Larry David hats and do a curb oh, version. We could never do podcast. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, we could talk about what we are ships crossing in the night, New York, uh, experiences this week, but believe it or not, I have a little bit of uh, listener feedback. Should we cover that a bit from our last uh, from our last podcast? Absolutely, absolutely. So, first of all, we always appreciate feedback from listeners. It means a lot. It certainly helps make this a, a great experience to do. Um, we care about what you think. So, this is what's interesting. Sometimes we get feedback from some of our younger listeners and. As analog guys, this is particularly noteworthy because sometimes we miss something. So this is what our listener said. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I, I just listened to Watch This Space. My one piece of feedback is I think you guys should think more about how social media comes into play in customer service. People use Twitter slash X as their customer service platform. They publicly and privately via DMs blast companies. I think this has led to more bots because companies don't want to deal with this flood of people. And I thought that was an interesting comment. Uh, I think, you know, we've, we've maybe we focused more on the kind of big tech systems that we tend to advise on or think about. And, you know, maybe this is more of an ad hoc channel, but uh, what do you think? For sure. You know, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, I think almost like an existential issue for contact centers that are rooted in legacy tech. And, you know, we, we, we touch on this stuff off and on. So if you, anyone out there caught our last episode, kind of about the uh, less uh, happy side of customer service when they don't really want your business, that's a whole other kind of tack for this. And there's so many branches to this customer service contact center tree, but the, this is a real big one. So there's a, a $2 word called omni-channel in the contact center space. And that is an umbrella term for using, as you say, Chris, these technologies and more importantly, these platforms that integrate all the channels into one space where you can start pulling data from various sources 
to kind of get a more complete picture of the customer or what they call the customer journey. And uh, that is a very empowering capability because now agents can kind of interact with kind of a 360 view of the customer and their history and their preferences and stuff. But you need these kind of technology platforms that can access data from across different parts of the organization and pull from the different channels that are being used. And when the listener, Chris, talks about, you know, social media, so that falls under the bucket of what we call digital channels, which are kind of a bit of a contrast to what you'd call the legacy or more traditional channels of voice and uh, even email. But when you get into this digital realm of social social media being a channel to the contact center, and of course, you know, using uh, SMS on your phone and uh, even web chat on a, on a PC screen. These are very different forms of engagement. And uh, uh, it speaks to one is the idea that the younger generation in particular, I think they tend to favor text over voice. There's also the darker side of people who just don't want to talk to other people anymore because they've had so many bad experiences with ill-informed agents, right? And then, you know, the other side of it, too, is this it's just the uh, squeaky wheel. You know, these these kind of backdoor channels to the contact center are a way to obviate the problems of calling a toll free number and waiting on hold for a half an hour. You know, you know, any form of social media kind of demands instant response. And that's what people expect when they use these channels. And if they get it back from the contact center, then they've kind of won. They've figured this is a more efficient way to interact. And uh, that becomes their preferred mode. And so, yes, there's lots to talk about for our listener on that topic. And we could probably do another segment just about it, Chris. But I'm going to leave it at that because there's really a lot. There's a lot to that. And it's definitely a thing. That is all very interesting. I have one additional comment, which I think we could talk about when we do that. And that is, I see a basic difference between the normal or even even omnichannel as as it's traditionally known and xing or tweeting at a company and and this is the following so any of the other modes that i'm at least familiar with you are in a session right whether it's a bot whether it's an agent no matter what mode of communication text voice video whatever email you're basically in a session it's you and them but the difference on on these on the social media, be it X or Threads or whatever, is you're basically at signing the company, and so it's a PR issue from the get go. So this happens to the airlines a lot, right? So they get, you know, at United, my flights delay, the food's all gone, there's no pilot, the plane fell apart, and so now United Airlines, not to pick on them. Uh, just as an example, they now have to answer all of those accusations in the public sphere, as well as solve the user's individual problem. So I do think that even though technology can be applied to this, it's a little bit of a different thing, because essentially, instead of talking into a phone, you stepped up to the microphone at Yankee Stadium and talked about your problem. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a whole other this. Yeah, this is not customer service. This is all about brand reputation, right? And and exactly. And, and also what we would all call technology wise, asynchronous communication, right? Where it's one way, right? They're not looking to communicate with you. They're looking to, uh, to vent, you know, there was that, there was that hashtag a few years ago about unite again, hate to pick on United, but yeah, United breaks things, right? When they have unhappy customer experiences where they 
I think this one was a, a guitar. A guy put it on the plane and it got damaged, uh, you know, when it was handled and all that stuff. And so it leads to this like pile on because it's so this is the problem with social media, as we all know, it's free, it's anonymous. Anybody can pile on and amplify. And the 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 the, the dark side to me of this, Chris, is there are people who who this is their livelihood, right? They're in the business of being professional activists and 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 complainers, and, and you know, people get paid to do this stuff because it's part of how you ma- either manage a brand or ruin someone else's brand. And no one's immune to this stuff. It's just part of the, the digital social media landscape. And it is, as you say very problematic just because of human nature um you know every bad news travels fast good news hardly travels at all and so you're usually you're only going to hear the bad stuff if people have great experiences yeah they'll broadcast it but it won't get just like any newscast right it's the bad news people want to see true i do think that that there is some cohort of folks who do put out a, a statement or not a statement but a, a social media posting when they are happy with something, but they are not always as vocal as those with complaints. And I get your point about professionals and all of that, but I also think that companies who are thinking about customer service are, no matter what technology or method they may apply, it's a valid point that they have to think about acting in the public sphere as well as in the private sphere, which, you know, didn't used to be. That's, to me, is a big deal. So I I know we have a lot to say about this, but I do think that was a valid point. We're going to, we will, you know, watch this space. I think it's worth another discussion. And all of us should think about this a little bit more because I do think it's a game changer in the yeah, long run. Because everyone's, everyone's under a microscope. So anytime you mess up with customer service, the whole world's going to hear about it. Right. So it does, it, it's positive in the sense that it sets the bar a little higher for customer service. Right. Because you just can't afford to be indifferent or be Lily Tomlin and say, we're the phone company, we don't care, (laughs) we don't have to, you know, you can't get away with that anymore. You're absolutely right. So again, to our loyal listener, thank you very much. We will think about this and probably talk about it some more as we start to see, especially technologies that blend traditional customer service with brand maintenance, which, you know, John, I feel like that's a real opportunity. Yeah. All right. Turning to the the last week wow you want to you want to start out my it was a busy week right yeah busy and good always good except that it was raining the day i came to new york but i i came prepared um yeah the good it's it's i'm always happy to do trips that are in the same time zone it's you know there's nowhere exactly relatively speaking and uh yeah so uh my trip to new york was for the CCA, yet another ho-hum acronym. So that stands for the Cloud Communications Alliance, which is run basically by a couple of guys who've been in the space a very long time, Joe Mannion and Clark Peterson. And they're very well, they're they're very well known in the cloud spaces. So uh, they've been running this association for quite some time. And I got invited to attend and ultimately speak at their, what they called a financial summit. So that's why you do it in New York, because they had a lot of financial analysts there who cover a lot of these big companies and smaller ones, too. And uh, so there were plenty of folks in the audience and the sponsors, you know, a lot of the vendors wanted to hear what their take was. So it was a half day event on the Wednesday. Tuesday was a more of a social uh, networking event 
at uh, City Winery, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, for folks like you and me, Chris, you never get tired of these events because you're, you're, you're kind of with your people, right? I mean, this is a very familiar crowd as we, you know, our common friend Jeff Pulver was there and many others who have been in the space a long time. So telecom seems, Chris, to be a hard space for people to leave. <laughs> you know, I think they're still doing it and, uh, and they're still viable businesses. You know, uh, Ari Raban was there from phone.com. They were one of the sponsors. At the other end, Zoom was a sponsor, you know, big players. And they're all like in this space to figure out how and where cloud is going. And it was a really good gathering of people who know it from the tech side, because I was with several other analysts there, as well as I said, the financial community who was there talking about more the bigger picture, right, of the valuations of these businesses. How do they how do they grow? How do they ramp up and, and do acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera, in a market that's becoming very crowded and highly commoditized. So it's an interesting space. It's very different from the, you know, exploding world of AI and, and robotics, you know, the NVIDIAs of the world where it's nothing but up, but that's going to hit a wall too at some point. Interesting. So when they were speaking about valuations and finance, were they, they were speaking in this sector uh, John and the cloud communications. Yeah, sector. yeah, and and the you know cloud communications are two different words, and when you put them together, cloud communications, you tend to think about UCAS, which would be the UC space. And when you're having that conversation, the co- it always starts with Microsoft because Teams has become so dominant. So the big survival issue for a lot of these players is: Are you going to compete with Teams, or are you going to play together with Teams and be a partner or an integrator or whatever. So that's where that conversation goes. But the bigger picture, when you kind of break those two words apart and just focus on cloud, it's bigger story than just UCAS. That this group was founded primarily as a UCAS environment because it was ultimately kind of a byproduct of the Broadsoft world. This was formed by Broadsoft partners initially uh, to kind of create a bigger organization, you know, bigger voice in that space. But now cloud has become so ubiquitous. The other spaces that did get talked about a little crisp, but not nearly enough was contact center, which is what we call CCAS, contact center as a service, much like UC is UCAS, UC as a service. And the third leg of that stool, which would be CPAS, communications platform as a service. And that takes you into the world of, you know, Twilio, uh, Infobip, uh, Cinch. Uh, there's a lot of players, Vonage, all strong players in this space. So it's very interesting. Very much, Chris, a service provider focused event because they're the ones ultimately trying to sell cloud services to their enterprise customers. But yeah, that cloud story is uh, central to everything, I think, in tech. When you marry cloud, especially with AI, that's kind of the future. So they've got a lot to chew on in that group now. I have a couple of quick follow-ons to that, John. So first of all, you got just give us a quick definition of UC. There's another acronym there, yeah. uh, right? Uh, so you you did the AAS in UCAS, right? You did as a service, but just remind us what UC is asking for a friend. Yeah, of course. So for those who are n- not on the bandwagon yet with this stuff. So UC means unified communications, which is the idea of having a singular platform, which is invariably cloud-based, where 
all of your communications applications that you use in the workplace are in one place. They're all integrated. That's the unified part of UC, right? Where you have, you know, telephony, where you have chat, where you have video, where you have conferencing, where you have, uh, well, voice in various forms, not just telephony, right? And then, of course, all the workflow and work productivity applications that you'd be using during the course of your day. And this is why Teams has become so dominant, because now Teams is the collaboration platform that ties so naturally with the desktop pieces that, of course, Microsoft kind of dominates. So now you're talking about Office, right? So all of the, you know, the Word, the Excel, the PowerPoint, all the typical tools you use. But more importantly, you get those messaging functions and, you know, you can start groups and threads where you can manage your workflows very efficiently all from one place where all the all the communications but also the attachments and the files and the links can all be sourced in one spot so it saves you the time of trying to hop in and out of applications that are disjointed so this is supposed to be you know a more efficient way to manage all the things that you're doing in your workday got it got it you know it's been around for a long time the concept but i feel in the last five years or so that this has really become the norm, particularly with Teams and, and Microsoft. They're not the only player. It would be unfair. I mean, you'd have to say Slack as well, right? And a, a couple of others, but it does seem to be really have finally become that that's the norm that rather when you didn't, didn't have distinct sort of voice communications or video and everything else. And I guess that's a good thing, but I, I just want to ask you before we, um, think about the next topic or whatever, is what was their financial takeaway uh, for the space? Was there sort of a headline about it? What? Because what, I'm fascinated about the financial aspect of this, because very often you don't get that in a gathering that we tend to go to. Ours tend to be more technologies or end users. What did they, what was the takeaway in terms of the, of the valuations and growth? Yeah. So as I mentioned about the commodification of this stuff, um, uh, that's part of it, but the bigger part is is that you know the the markets in general have shifted from you know growth to profitability. That's kind of the the big change. And since most of these companies are not making money, their valuations have taken a big hit. And you can see it in the stock prices for all of them. Some are down almost like tenfold. Um, so it's a good time to be buying, I suppose. But the question is, what are you actually getting if you're buying? Because it's not that easy to just acquire another company and absorb their customers. Um, it's, there's a lot of effort involved there, and there's no guarantees of success. Because when we talk about as a service, as you mentioned, Chris, that's the SaaS model, right? Software as a service that's kind of become the norm and is kind of the big selling point for cloud because now you don't have to use CapEx to acquire technology, right? It's all OpEx. And because of that, the switching costs are low. That's why customers are moving all the time when companies don't deliver. So it's hard to put a like a to do some future proofing on your revenue streams in this space because they're all subscriber based and they're not locked into long term contracts like they used to be in the telecom legacy world, right? Where you knew your customer was going to be a guaranteed revenue stream for many years to come. That's not the case anymore. So valuations are tough. Are tougher to support now so a lot of companies you know will be probably available you know looking for exits um so these guys are being very much more cautious now about who gets acquired 
And also the fact that, as you said, there are a handful of companies that are dominating the space that no one's really going to be able to displace. Um, as you mentioned, Microsoft, of course, Cisco, Avaya, um, and Zoom, you know, and Ring Central. These are kind of like the big players in the space. And uh, they're all doing reasonably well, but they're not making big money. And another point, too, from the value, from the, from the financial guys is that some of these companies, UCAS, for example, is all they do. So their business lives and dies by this. Whereas companies like Microsoft and Cisco, and you could even throw Amazon in there, their business is so diversified, UC is a very small part of the puzzle for them. So it's less consequential to them if the marketplace isn't as profitable as it used to be. So it really you know, depends on what segments you're looking at. But another big takeaway too, Chris, is the idea that the top end, the enterprise end of the market is pretty well established in terms of who the players are. But the mid market and SMBs, you know, the lower end of the market, there's a much better opportunity there because, um, because there's so many businesses out there and so many more players where the big dominant guys don't have as much of a beachhead. So there's more room for growth there. And one more takeaway from the finance guys is their rationale for even being in this space, Chris, is that, you know, they're, they're citing, uh, the, the idea that there's 50% of the market is still legacy based. So there's a lot of upside yet for companies to move to the cloud and adopt these new services. So there's growth potential there. Um, but it's getting, it is getting harder and harder to grow that business and take it away from the big guys. So. It looks good on paper, um, but it's a very, uh, it's a tough market to make money in right now, I think. I think I agree. You know, it's, I, I think you and I sometimes tend to think about enterprises a, a lot, and we should probably think about more SMB in our thinking, or blended in more in our thinking. But I was kind of thinking while you were talking that SMB does, if fragmented and many, many channeled and complex to attack, it still seems like more fruitful than competing with a bunch of big companies who don't have to make any money on what they're selling against you. You know, when yeah. you get into the enterprise yeah. level, right? They, they, it's all about pull through and stickiness for the big vendors, I think. But that's mm-hmm. a whole other discussion. Yeah. Uh, but, but it sounds like a really interesting conference, though. I think that's a definite watch this space. And the, the 50% still legacy is an intriguing statistic because that's still a lot of business. I think if you play the market very, very carefully, i.e., if you're one of these vendors that's targeting that 50% just to be very careful about how you conduct your campaign and how you build your business. But it does seem like ultimately there's a lot of revenue in there. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's certainly not an easy uh, opportunity like it might've been, as you say, five years ago, because um, the sm- the lower, further down the market you get, the more price sensitive these guys are. So there's less opportunity for any kind of pull through or upsell. And also, too, there are segments in the marketplace that will really never go all in with cloud because their 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 data is just too sensitive, and that they want to keep it where they can find it, type of thing. So that's you know, a whole other thing, which is cloud. a whole other thing, right? Yeah, that's so- a whole other thing. You know, I don't think the incident has happened yet that has really, really turned that into a fire. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of industries you know, who are regulated and, you know, yeah, uh, who do have, they are absolutely using cloud, but they're very careful about it. And, and on that and, note, we, we can't ignore, Chris, 
that you know the the the, the U.S. government is starting to put some pressure on putting guardrails on big tech now. They're reaching that concern, and AI is driving that kind of fear that big tech is is out of control. And so, I think you you could very well see more regulation on big tech and maybe talk about like decoupling and you know google search business being spun out potentially if those things happen those have implications for this this marketplace as well potentially for the better actually i think it may make smaller guys a little more have a little more breathing room to be competitive we'll see i think it's all there's always room for innovation you know look at what slack did nobody ever thought they'd have you'd get a foothold against the give away for pull through messaging and communication services. And now they're fighting the the battle of a mature company, but still they were able to make quite a splash. Same with zoom. Right. So exactly. we'll see what the next generation is. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Your chapter, chapter two of uh, autumn in New York, if you know the old song. So one of the reasons that John and I, which is a rare occasion, missed each other when we're in the same city, because we always try to get together, was uh, I was at two real estate-related conferences and workplace technology-related conferences the last couple of weeks. The first one was Cretech, right? CRE, Corporate Real Estate Tech. And then the second one this week was WorkTech. And it was actually two fascinating weeks. They were both quite interesting. Cretech is a little bit more traditional real estate it, it i would say it's the more some of the more innovative thinkers but still very building it's it's building managers owners investors and technologies that are transforming things like what we call prop tech and and men, melding that with things like physical security so that was very interesting and then uh, work tech is really almost more academic philosophical about work, the future of work, design, and technology. So they were very complementary. And I had, you know, my takeaways really were that number one, everybody thinks that this is yet another post-pandemic confirmation that the future really is hybrid work, which we've been saying for a long time. Seems obvious, but there have, despite all these attempts to lure people back five days a week. I feel like there's a sense of let's move forward and think about how we're going to deal with a, a hybrid workplace where people are in mostly two or three days a week. And that's a good thing because even though I think, as we've said, there's going to be some upheaval in the real estate market, in the long run, it's always good to think about where things are going, right? And so that was that was interesting to hear from a whole bunch of different uh, different sectors. And as part of the work the work tech, uh, they had several office tours, all of which I managed to slog through the rain and go on, and they were really, really interesting. One was at uh, Google's new event space in New York. I've been there as an audience member in an event, but to see a little bit behind the scenes is pretty fabulous in terms of what the facilities are that it offers. And then there was a tour of of, of Cisco's show place, New York office. Um, at this at a reconstituted one Penn Plaza 1970s building that's been all redone by Vornado, which is the realty company that owns that whole neighborhood, uh, to be quite nice. So it's their showcase customer experience center and all that. Very interesting, as well as their own office. And then um, the the final one was Westcap, 
which is a, an investment firm, and they had moved into a building on a newly refurbished and very interesting area of 10th Avenue, right at the bottom of 10th Avenue on the west side of Manhattan, and the views were stunning. And what was interesting was that this space had been built completely post-pandemic. So it's one of the first spaces that I've seen, which was trying to think forward. And we had a tour with the architect of the space who had been given a lot of leeway to think outside the box of what a post-pandemic environment would would look like for, and what would attract people back. And so it, all in all, it was a good stimulating week for thinking about the future of work. I don't see how it could be any better. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. That's great, right? You know, most of the segments were represented uh, who were involved with the space, you know, from the building managers to the build, the investors, to the end users, to the technology. And I do think my, my takeaway was changes in the wind. When I looked at the West Cap space, it was really designed for interaction. It, it had a lot of spaces that were private that you could go to, to if you needed to do some heads down time. But they and I think other design and, and end user firms have really come to the conclusion that the time people spend in the office should really be oriented around two things. One being, I really need some heads down time and I can't, I've got kids at home or whatever. I can't deal. I don't have the space at home. And then the other is really communicating, collaborating, combining, you know, in spaces that are comfortable and fun, but allow you to be productive in a group, in a team. So balancing all that is challenging, but it seems like a lot of design thinking is going into doing that, which I do think will make it more attractive and easier for people to spend those two or three days of work a week in, at work and be really productive, you know? Would you see yourself going to work there? Is it that enticing, the new one? Well, I don't know about that particular space, but if that were the space that was associated with my job, I, I certainly would be comfortable being there. I think if I were in the mainstream of my career, um, I, I yes, I, I, I probably would two or three days a week. I mean, if I had a ridiculous commute, I might still think, or if I had circumstances at home that made it harder for me, I might not. But I think otherwise, I would certainly feel that there was a reason to be there to do my work, and it was going to be contributory to it, if that's an answer. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And um, I think I just read something today about here in, in Canada anyways, that something like 40% of office spaces now are going to be obsolete pretty soon because they were designed at different different time different needs uh, you know i think where you're go where you're seeing now is that you know that's kind of the a sneak peek into what the office of the future is gonna is gonna gravitate to i would think yeah and it was very in line with a lot of the thinking of some of the more design and academically inclined speakers and some forward-looking technologists who concurred that from the point of view of productivity that we had to rethink the way space was designed. And I guess what I felt in the last couple of weeks was, you know, I was very dubious in the past that this could be gotten, I shouldn't say exactly right, because it never is, but close. And some of the spaces and conversations and people that I talked to, I do think that there is a good possibility that we'll have, you know, we'll have to go through some upheavals, but office, you know, workplace space, be it 
formal office or flex office or whatever form it takes is going to transition from essentially the industrial age people tanks that it's been for a hundred plus years into more of a an activity focused environment, which is more conducive to productivity in for individuals and teams. I, I do as I feel more positive than I felt before, but I do think there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Well when I when I think of smart buildings, you know, I think more about, you know, the, you know, the the the, the mechanical stuff, right? The heating, the lighting, all that you know, climate control, things that property managers have to be concerned with. And that's but, all there still, John. Yeah. That's, and that's yeah. that's an easy thing to think about. But you're talking about a, something else altogether. So just maybe to give the listeners a better sense of what we're talking about. Like, well, what, what does a, you know, are private office spaces still in vogue, right? What kind of, what are these spaces starting to look like? Right. Well, privacy is. And so one of the pushbacks on the vogue of office design for the, let's say the last 10, 15 years is people don't want the tables all over the office. They don't want to have to wear earphones in order to do work, right? There, there are spaces to work together. There are tables, there are open areas, etc. But people need some amount of time to be able to really focus. And so there need to be spaces that allow them or maybe them and one other person to do that. Right. And that was not part of the traditional office. And that's not the same as having a private office. So I would say for the most part, assigned spaces are gone, but I don't think privacy is gone. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Yeah. As you say, people need quiet spaces to get, you know, deep concentration work done. And if you can't do it at home, you know, you need, you you can't do it at an open table in an open office setting either. Right. If, If it's going to be your dining room table with, people and pets running around, then how is that different from a table in a big open room at the office, right? That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have gathering areas and tables and rooms for people to work together. But, you know, when it's just you, you need a place to go. And if you turn the whole place into, into, you know, big areas of benches and tables, you don't, you don't really have that. You need nooks and crannies and small different size rooms and you need a good booking system to manage the space and i would argue you can really benefit from some additional iot you know sensor technology and software integration to to measure how it's going you know eliminate things like ghost meetings where people book the room and never show up or squatters where they're in there but they didn't they didn't book the room it's fine if the room wasn't reserved but all that kind of metric stuff is is useful and the technology is advancing in those areas. But yeah, I mean, to be determined, right, John? I mean, the overall occupancy still is not that high. So we will have to see where the trends go, but certainly trying to get ahead of the ball and say, this is where things are going can't be a bad thing, right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. It's an interesting area, you know? It it sure is. And it's all plays into our watch this space theme for sure. So, yeah, I I think that's going to take us to time for today. Um, We could go down these alleys a lot further, a lot longer, no doubt. But uh, we got to move on and uh, keep you waiting for the next one because we have lots more to come. Just as we, before we sign out, Chris, do uh, upcoming events or travels on your end? 
Well, you and I are going to be uh, talking. We, I think we're going to try to do a live edition of the podcast uh, or something similar at the Vaughn conference in early November. So that, exactly. that should be interesting, right? Yeah. So a month from now, folks, yeah, back in New York. And uh, whether that will be the next Watch This Space episode or maybe it's a special edition podcast just for that event, we shall see. But yes, keep keep watch on that one for sure. Absolutely. Okay, very good. Well, I'm off to the UC Expo in London next week. So that'll be another kind of uh, perspective on these things that we've been talking about with the unified communication sector, uh, but more from the uh, EU perspective. So I'll have some stuff to uh, share on that front as well. Great. Well, we didn't even get to talk about all your other travels this past uh, month, but we'll, yes. we'll <laughs> but stay tuned, listeners, for where in the world is John Arnold? Uh, November yeah. edition. Right? It's coming. It's coming. And if you don't know, folks, you know, my, my, you can follow and check out my blog on my website. I post regularly there with uh, commentary and photos of my various events that I'm going to. And of course, on social, on LinkedIn, I share a lot of photos while I'm at these events as well. So lots of ways to check it out. This is just one, one of our channels. So with that, we've got a call time. So we'll thank you all for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed it and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. Uh, all of these episodes, you can find them on our, my dedicated website for this called uh, watchthisspace.tech. And of course, wherever you subscribe to your podcasts, I know both uh, Apple and Google, Chris, are, are pulling most of our um, subscribers and uh, followers there for the podcast. Otherwise, keep those reviews coming and uh, suggestions for future topics. And with that, I am going to sign out. I'm John Arnold. I'm Chris Fine. Thanks, John. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And stay tuned next month for another episode of Watch This Space.